Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life of excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. So we're going to move on now to um, talk about the next element of our worship service. So the last couple of times we've highlighted the different aspects of, of worship here at New Life. And and we talked about how there's kind of these six classic Christian elements of worship that we still hold. And so uh, we have confession and forgiveness. We have the public reading of scripture and the sermon. There's the Lord's Supper, the creeds, the Lord's Prayer, and then the sending are kind of the six different things that we're going to talk about. Last time we talked about confession and forgiveness. And so today we're going to talk about public reading of scripture and the sermon. So Pastor Ben, in, in our worship services, our Saturday casual service, our traditional service, and our contemporary service, what does the public reading of scripture look like? They're very similar. The, the only real variation is in their casual Saturday service, there's one reading, which is what the sermon's going to be about, which is also mirrored in our second service, our contemporary service. There's one reading, and then the sermon is preached off of that reading. Um, however, in our first service, there's actually a reading from the Old Testament, a New Testament reading, and then a gospel reading, which obviously is located in the New Testament as well. But all three readings are read, and typically... They're read from the lectionary. They're supposed to correlate because the the Old Testament connects to the Gospels, connects to the rest of the New Testament. And so we have three readings in that service, um, but we just have one reading in the other service. And uh, really, that's just done to keep people focused on what we're trying to talk about so they have a clear pathway to the truth. Also, that even in our services where we only do the one reading, it's still a lot of Scripture. So we don't preach from one verse. We preach pretty large sections of, of scriptures, whole whole sections, instead of just pinpointing one or two elements of one verse and preaching off that. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point, is that you might wander into a church and they might talk about whatever they want and then throw in a verse to kind of be a proof text of what they've been talking about. That's not how we operate here. And I don't think that's really how any church should operate. Really, all your truth should come from scripture and then have it be preached clearly. And so... It is very rare when I would say we don't cover, at the very least, five verses, if not significantly more, and the sermon is always built off of of that scripture. And we go often verse by verse by verse and uncover the truth, talk about the context, and then we apply it to our lives. Pastor Ben, you mentioned talking about describing our our habits of, of scripture reading in the service. You mentioned the lectionary. And I'm, I'm guessing for most of our listeners, they've heard that term. Maybe they even know what it's about. But can you just describe what the lectionary is, why churches use it, and how that's generally practiced in churches? The lectionary is prescribed readings for every Sunday and other holidays throughout out the year. And really, its purpose is to walk people through a, a systematic pattern 
of revisiting some of these major events, revisiting certain pieces of scripture. And it's typically done in three-year cycles. There's different ones created, but churches will step into one or the other. And in that process of using that scripture, it keeps people on a certain rhythm and pattern. It also keeps churches that are using it in that same rhythm and pattern. And so kind of its, its original intent was that you could walk into a church in Sterling, Illinois, and hear the same sermon, or at least the same readings, or the same source of that sermon from Sterling. And then if you went the next week to a church down the road, or you were traveling, you could walk into a, a Lutheran church or another Lutheran church that uses the lectionary, and you would have that same context that would still be working through that process, and you would actually hear that reading and then go back to your home church and still be on the same pattern and rhythm. So people around the church were all connected on that pattern. So the the idea of a lectionary, of set readings over a certain number of years, is very, very old. Um, in fact, Jewish religion in the time of Jesus had that. So Jesus would have even been familiar with this set prescribed reading. So that that's a pretty ancient practice. Um, and, and the lectionary that we use now and that pretty much most churches that use lectionary use is called the Revised Common Lectionary, which was developed, I think, in the 60s or 70s as part of the ecumenical movement um, that we are beneficiaries of. And and that's where the our green hymnal, the Lutheran Book of Worship comes from, conversation with Episcopalians and all that kind of stuff. It was this big worldwide movement of mainline churches that developed that. So that's a that's a pretty long tradition. The one that we have now is fairly new, but some of the ideas is that you get the whole council of scripture and you get the whole big picture over three years. The three years each have one gospel that you focus on during that year. There's a, there's a lot of work and patterning and that kind of stuff that went into that. And also it's shaped around the church calendar. So it starts at Advent, which is the new year for the church, walks through Advent, and it's thematic through Advent, thematic through Epiphany. There's an ordinary time where you do um, just like numbered readings of Scripture, and you kind of work through big chunks of text. Then there's a Lent, the Easter, Pentecost, and then ordinary season all through the summer. So there's it's just this patterned set table of readings that we've used in the past. So, so Pastor Ben, why don't you talk to us about what are some of the good things about that? What are some of the bad things about that? And why, uh, if if people took the time to put together these readings every week, you have an Old Testament, a New Testament, and a Gospel, why do we not do that during those um, Saturday and the contemporary services? Why don't we use that then? So the positive of the lectionary is kind of what we talked about already, which is it does bring uh, the Old Testament and New Testament and gospel all together. And so people can see that the scripture is one message, finding its culmination in Christ, and then following that gospel story, the rest of the New Testament just basically points back to Christ. And so that's a really powerful truth and important thing for everyone to really know that claims Christ as Lord. And so the three readings do really do that. Lectionary really allows us to, to work through that and really hits the high point of the story. Its limitation is that it doesn't preach the the totality of Scripture. What might have happened unintentionally in your life is that if you have attended a Lutheran church for your whole life or something of a similar vein, and they have only taught the lectionary, you have actually only encountered some of Scripture. And that doesn't mean they've been deceiving you. It just means that they basically took out the stuff that they thought was the best or the most key or the most helpful, and they tried to put it in front of you so you could keep eating that diet, so you could start internalizing that and memorizing that and really developing those healthy patterns. However, there are other things that you have missed along the way. 
because of that. And so there has been seasons of new life that we've followed the lectionary very closely. There have been seasons like recently when we haven't. And the reason we have not is because we have felt that there's been certain things that we really want to talk about that are not included in the lectionary. Of course, they are directly from Holy Scripture, and they've been included for a purpose and a reason and a time, and we believe this is that time. And we want to use that as a tool to help move our people forward. And so what we've seen and what we've, what we've experienced is people have come to us, and they've said, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that story before. I've never heard that taught before. And it's not that we're going outside the realm of orthodoxy. We are simply just talking about things that are in there. But if they've been in a church like this for years and years and years, they've just never heard those stories. And so in correlation to that, even when we choose a different section of Scripture to preach off of that's maybe never been taught in the lectionary, there's still correlations from the Old Testament and the remainder of the New Testament if we're reading out of the Gospels. And so what we do is we do a little bit harder work is we find the correlations for the Old Testament all the way through the epistles. We put them all together, we, we connect them, and try to give people a very clear connection between the three. And so sometimes, even when we're lo- using the lectionary, I will actually pick different passages out of the Old Testament or the New Testament that fit better together, because sometimes, honestly, it's just confusing. And that's actually one of the reasons that in our Saturday service and in our second service, where that hasn't been the pattern, we don't feel the necessity to bring that pattern into that process at this point in time, because most people just, it really causes more confusion than, than health. And so a lot of times what will happen is people will come to me after the service and say, hey, you read the Old Testament, and then you preached out of the gospel reading, or you read that, that section out of one of Paul's epistles, and then you preached out of the gospel reading, and what did that mean? It didn't make any sense. You didn't offer any clarity. And the truth is, we don't have time to do that. We would be in there preaching three different sermons if we really wanted to to really accomplish that goal, or preaching one sermon that includes all three, and we're talking a significant amount of time to do it really well. And so in those services, we just don't read those, and it's really just uh, to make sure that the thing we really are preaching on is taught well, clearly understood, clearly applied, and we don't want to have the other thing be a distraction throughout the process. It's not that we don't believe it's part of Scripture. It's just really to get focused, hyper-focused to allow our people to best thrive. In the first service, it's really just more of a continuation of a pattern. That's what the church has done. We want to respect that, and so we just keep going in that process, and we try to have three passages of Scripture that are either followed in the lectionary, or we we pick our own to best match so people can have their sermon experience and their reading experience amplified and improved, then have it be a distraction. So when it is a, is a distraction, we just will supplement it for something that makes better sense or is clearer for them to understand. And I think it's I think it's important to note the revised common lectionary that came out of the, the 60s and 70s or whenever it was, mid-century, there's flexibility even in that structure. And I, and, and I think that's what people may have a hard time catching on to, is that just because the, the, the Revised Common Lectionary prescribes specific readings doesn't mean that it doesn't give freedom to choose other scriptures as well. So there's nothing in the Lutheran Confessions, there's, ap- there, there's definitely nothing in scripture 
that would indicate that we need to read certain scriptures on certain times at certain dates. There are good and helpful patterns that have been established, but there's also total flexibility within those uh, within those patterns and within those rhythms. And and so even though we don't use um, and sometimes we deviate completely from the Revised Common Lectionary during certain seasons. Um, doesn't mean that we don't respect it, and also doesn't mean that we aren't utilizing the the church calendar as a part of our spirituality here at New Life. So we still go through the church calendar. We still theme things around the church calendar because that's a that's a helpful pattern for us to walk through the life of Christ together. Um, but we're just not bound to the RCL in any way. I mean, there are different lectionaries in the LBW, the the Lutheran Book of Worship. There's a one-year lectionary. I know the Missouri Synod Lutherans have a one-year lectionary. Um, so there's flexibility in that. You know, we could even build our own lectionary if we wanted to, um, in order to to work through all of Scripture. So there is flexibility in that. And um, just because we're not using the Revised Common Lectionary doesn't mean that we're missing out on any of the Scripture. We're just um, retooling those readings that make it more understandable and make it more effective in discipleship for our congregation. Some of the drawbacks of the lectionary um, can be that people only hear the same, they hear the same sermon once every three years. You know, they just hear the same sermons over and over and over again. I think that might be a particular problem um, in in the Lutheran world where no one's ever accused the Lutheran preacher of being particularly creative. And so I think that our really our view of law and gospel sometimes gets uh, misunderstood and misinterpreted, and pastors tend to to only preach a narrow view of law and gospel. And so any chance that they get, they're just gonna they're just gonna do that this very narrow view of law and gospel. And so then people really do hear the same sermons all the time because any opportunity that the pastor gets, they're gonna preach that particular thing. Um, and so. Ben, you and I, we, we tend to have a, a broader view of law and gospel and a little bit more creative and expansive view of how God speaks to humans in those two ways. Um, and so I think that we we kind of relish in that freedom um, to be creative and to look at scriptures and proclaim them in those in those ways. The other benefit is that most pastors of smaller churches are incredibly busy, and they're doing a lot, if not all, of the ministry because there's kind of a misunderstanding of what their job is. So they don't have a lot of time left over to, I guess, be creative or delve through Scripture or try to understand the pulse of their church and then preach accordingly. And so the lectionary is can be a tool for them. Sometimes it's a crutch for them. Just keep doing the same stuff because they don't have a lot of time to prep a sermon. You know, they don't have the time that it really takes to do a sermon well. And so the lectionary allows them to kind of just repeat the process or have the process laid out for them. Whereas when we get into series, that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. You really need to know the pulse of the church. You really need to know scripture really well because scripture is what speaks the truth. It's not like I have a truth and then I find the scripture to match. I actually read through scripture and then let it speak to me, teach me, and where it correlates specifically to our congregation, then we will put that into practice. But that takes a a lot more time. It takes a lot more energy. But I believe it's worth it. It's worth it because every congregation is different and every congregation has specific needs and it needs to be adapted to best preach and best teach and best apply to the church that you have. And so when the lectionary works and is effective in that regard, of course we use it and we follow the patterns of of many people around our nation and around our world. But when it doesn't, we don't have uh, much issue with going in a different direction to best serve our people. 
That, of course, connects directly back to the freedom we have as Lutherans to do that, to best be missionaries in our world, to best minister to our people. And so because we have the time and energy, praise the Lord, because we have the creativity, because we have the desire, we do put a lot of time into our, our preaching and our and our studying. And so we use that time to be willing to delve into different topics and different conversations to best allow our people to move forward and best understand Scripture so they can best serve their world and their families and the places where God has put them. I do just want to add one more thing. And this is one of the things that when I came to this church in August, I was a little concerned of um, just because it was in, you know entering into a new space and I just didn't know you know, you just can't know all the values of, of everybody and all the leadership. But what's turned out to be really, really great and what I really appreciate is that even when we have deviated from the lectionary and done series, those series are still constructed on a whole book of the Bible. So when we did our Transformed Hearts and Transformed Lives, and Ben, you may have to correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but we chose Luke, right? We went through Luke. And we deviated a little bit. A couple times we went to other Gospels. But our main text was Luke. And then when we did uh, Transformed Communities and Transformed World, we looked at Acts. As we constructed those sermons, all you did in that sermon planning was read through Acts. And you just, every time they had, I can't remember what it was, but I'll just, for an example, um, anytime they talked about community, you wrote it down, you mapped it out, and then you chose sermons based on those texts, or you built sermons based on those texts. So when we did the Transform World, you did the every time the numbers grew, right? And so every time in Acts where it says, and the Lord added to their number, that we did a sermon on those, all of those passages. And so even our even our series are still constructed around looking at Scripture as, as a whole and looking at some of the big movements of Scripture and not just like pinpointing, you know, what's incurred, you know, the five most encouraging passages of the Bible, you know, and like preaching on that. It's it's really taking what God has to say, taking all of what God has to say about a particular issue, and and then utilizing large portions of Scripture to understand and fully comprehend what God is doing in, in those things. So I really appreciate that, even when we deviate and we from the Revised Common Lectionary, and we move into... Uh, series where it's, it's not like we're just cherry picking um, things. We're actually looking at the what does the scripture have to say about these subjects, and let's construct our teaching off of what scripture has to say overall. Yeah, when you go through seminary, you go through undergrad. If you take some preaching classes along the way, they will hammer into your into your head the difference between iso Jesus and exo Jesus. And those are fancy words that you will never need to know if you're listening to the podcast. Or if you already heard them, you probably already know what they mean. But basically, isogesis is when you pour your thoughts into Scripture. So you already start with a preconceived notion, and then basically you cherry pick, you chop up a verse, you chop up a passage to make it match your thought process. Whereas exegesis is when you look at Scripture, and what we do is we just ask it a question, and we just read until we find the answer. And so as we worked through our Transform series, we just simply asked the questions of, how did Jesus transform hearts? How did Jesus transform lives? How did Jesus transform communities? Or how did the better said would be, we looked at Acts, so it was how did early Christians transform communities? And then how did early Christians transform the world? Also working through the book of Acts. When you ask those questions of scripture and then you're, you read through it, you get the actual answer. And a lot of times, Unfortunately, in our modern world, it's, hey, I already think I know what the answer is, or I've already come to a conclusion, and then I'm going to find 
a verse, just one verse, or maybe one thought that if I chop it up just right or navigate it just right, that it will match up and solidify my thought that I already have. And that's just an unhealthy practice in your interpersonal life as far as your devotional life. It's incredibly bad practice when you're preaching because you don't know everything. And so we're going to always default to what Scripture says. And so as we walk through these things, we just simply ask them the question. We come up with a really good question. What do we want to know? We read and read and read and read and study and study and study. And then if all of Scripture lines up, we'll teach that truth because that is the totality of scriptural truth. It's a good process for you as you study yourself. Uh, and as a preacher, it's a great way to be able to uncover truth, understand truth, and then feel confident that when you preach, you're teaching the actual truth of Scripture, the eternal truth of Scripture that never changes, never needs to change, and then can be applied to our lives so we can actually see through the mist of culture, see through the, the mist of church culture sometimes, and see what actually is there, what God actually wants us to know, and what actually is eternal truth. And so that's how we do it, and as we work through those things, that's why we can feel pretty confident as we step into a series that we can feel the pulse of the church, and then utilize God's truth to best fit a need or scratch an itch or help people move forward on their faith journey. I want to ask this question. It might be a little bit of a strange question, um, but it's connected with another reason that the lectionary form was first developed, and that was back in the day before everyone knew how to read. People did not have their own individual Bibles, and that wasn't that wasn't a thing until after the Reformation, that people actually had their own home Bibles that they could read on their own. Um, so when people, the people gather together for worship, that, that was the time for them to hear the Scripture. And that was really the only time for them to hear the Scripture. And so it was so important then that you give them those three readings because they had no way of... That was the only opportunity they were going to have to hear the Scripture. And so hearing these same stories over and over and over again um, was helpful in, in memorizing and learning them and some of those things, um, but isn't just, just isn't necessary anymore because we have our home our own home Bibles and we have audio Bibles and all those sorts of things. Um, so it doesn't serve that same educational purpose. But uh, Ben, can you uh, walk us through maybe this connection between what we're hearing on Sunday and how we can read our Bible during the week and how do those things those things interact with one another? What's very often about our, our human tendencies is that if we have a pattern over time, if we repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, we naturally think it's right. And in the Christian world, we naturally think it's biblical. And so when it comes to the lectionary, like Pastor Eric said, one of the points was that if you don't have access to Scripture, if you don't have access to this content, then you need to hammer it home until it's memorized. That's basically your option because you don't have an iPhone and you don't have a Bible and you don't have whatever that might be to give you access to this truth or this information. And so you really, really have to hammer home on these concepts and these ideas. And actually, the stained glass window was the exact same thing. It was a a way for churches to tell specific stories that they really thought were premier, so people could memorize them and see them, and even if they couldn't read, they could look at the stories and start internalizing God's truth through this beautiful stained glass. Well, both these things are strategies. And so in the Lutheran faith, we always talk about properly dividing law and gospel. That's a, a teaching mode that we use. But in the strategy of the church, or in the running of a church, it's it's just as important to be able to properly divide Lutheran theology and Lutheran strategy. See, what happens, unfortunately, is 
people don't divide the two. And so they say, well, one is eternal truth and one is eternal strategy, as if somehow stained glass windows are sacred, as if somehow the lectionary is sacred. These aren't sacred. These are strategies. These are tools. These are ways that the church was trying to intentionally help people move forward in their faith. You know, if we just fast forward right now, we offer journey classes, which are six classes set apart to help you move forward in your faith. If we fast forward 100 years, that there might be a group of people out there that say, well, journey classes are obviously sacred, they're holy. Uh, There's just a strategy, just as if these things, if we back up at some point in time, someone thought, hey, let's put pictures in glass. Let's put the reading into this pattern. Let's follow the Jewish pattern because it worked for them. So let's do it and educate in this way. These things are just strategies. They're not sacred. They never should have been sacralized. And so with that being said, when we look at scripture in the modern day, when we practice in the modern day, we have to have new strategies and new patterns. And so we also have to understand that the Bible is more readily accessible You can download it on an app. There's printed copies anywhere and everywhere. I mean, I have 20 plus in my office of different versions and different translations that I like to peruse. Everyone has access. And so in in some ways, this sacralization of, of the lectionary is unhealthy because now we can really work through a larger swath because people can go back and hopefully are studying because that's really what we're pushing towards is personal study, personal devotion specifically in the strategy that we call the chair. And so some of those things in some ways have become unnecessary as well as stained glass windows. We don't have any. We don't need to preach and teach stories through through art in that way. We have different means and different ways for people to know the truth. And so some of those things, though it's hard for people to let go of because they've they've grown emotionally attached to them, we always have to ask ourselves, is the best is this the best mode still in the modern day? And I'd say most of those things, the answer is, is going to be no. It served its purpose. It did incredible things. We should honor those things. But now it's time to move in a better pattern for this day. And 50 years from now, someone else will come along and destroy every structure that we have as far as strategy and move it to something that's going to work better for their day. And we should be willing to do that and willing to have those conversations. And so in that regard, when it comes to reading scripture and studying scripture, we're in a a totally different ballgame when it comes to lecturing. So we just open up that box say, this is a strategy. We're going to use it. If it works, if it doesn't work, we're going to go in a different direction. Also in connection with that idea of the lectionary, we also talked about certain holy days that we we celebrate, certain festivals that we still honor. And in the same way, those were strategies put into place so people would remember certain stories or be reminded of certain people's actions or things that have happened in the faith. And so we aren't bound by those either. Those aren't sacred things. Those are just things that we do because they offer benefit to the church community. And so, for example, this past Sunday was Transfiguration Sunday. And with the the spread of information and the spread of the way that people consume information now, we don't have to talk about the Transfiguration every year, uh, but we choose to honor it. And we actually taught on a series that didn't specifically address it, but there's implications connected to it. So we actually talked about personal transformation and the idea that that once we see that we actually can be personally transformed, that it actually gives us the idea that we're connected to that potential and we'll actually move in that direction. In the same way, Christ's transfiguration, which we did not specifically address, but we did read the scripture. So sometimes we'll specifically use those, those moments. Sometimes we will just connect with them. And, and, and oftentimes, or not oftentimes, but I'd say occasionally, we do have the freedom to just go in a totally different direction 
And in our modern day, I think this is where those things begin to show their age. My generation, the generation after, we consume information so fast, and we are a bullet point generation, which means if you just tell us the same thing over and over and over and over again, we are going to assume that you have nothing else to tell us. And I think, unfortunately, in the church, when you sacralize these patterns and you do the same thing over and over and over and over again, what is internalized by a younger person? I know it, and I don't need to hear it anymore. I've already learned that. In fact, I even pulled up an app, and I learned even more about that than when the preacher told me, and if he's just going to come back and say that same thing, I'm good. I don't need it. I'll step out. I will re-engage with you on Christmas and Easter. And I think we see that in the church, is that if you just teach the same thing for three years, repeat, watch, rinse, and do it all again, that a younger generation is not going to find much value in that. So it is definitely time in the in the modern age as we try to engage with the next generation and my generation who's stepped back from church is that we need to show them the whole thing. We need to show them the whole Bible and really allow ourselves the freedom to create new strategies and new patterns to reach that next generation where all we're going to do is live in a time capsule. And sooner or later, that time capsule will rust out, die out, break, fall apart, and there'll be nothing there. And so we need to divide strategy, theology. We hold on to the eternal theology, the eternal truth of God's word, and then give ourselves the freedom to hold on to strategies that still work or destroy strategies that have stopped working. And even sometimes going all the way back to further church history and bringing some strategies all the way back because they can actually renew and reinvigor the faith and the next generation for Christ. Our, our theology is not bound to particular practices. And I think that there are some traditions that, that would say that's the case. But very specifically, as, as Lutherans, because we do believe in the difference between law and gospel, if, if we're free in Jesus Christ, then why, how can somebody yoke us and say, you must follow these prescribed patterns that existed back in the Middle Ages? That's just putting the law back on people. If people are not receiving the Holy Spirit and, the new, and new life through these strategies, then we, have to, then we have to look at them again, and we have to start asking the question, what can we do different? How can we use new media, these things, in order to, um, to bring that transformation and to spread the gospel? It's also, I, I just want to go back and note again that just because we're having this conversation in this way doesn't mean that we totally disregard all church history, because that's not the case. We're recording this on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, and we just got out of an Ash Wednesday service, and we're going to have another one this afternoon. And we're going into a time of Lent. And so for us, these patterns, these ways of, of thinking about the faith and, and, and shaping and forming and cultivating our spiritual life, those are still, those are still worthwhile for 21st century Sock Valley. So they make sense to continue to use them. And we can respect them and we can think that they're beautiful and we can we can continue to do those things. So we don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, we really do want to hold on to those things that are good patterns for spiritual development, but we don't need to keep everything. Um, we don't need to keep all of these patterns or otherwise we'll just be liturgical hoarders. You know, we'll just gobble up everything we can, and then we'll have too much to even handle. Um, and I think that a good example of this would be uh, in in Advent, or yeah, in Advent, we we switched from setting one in the Lutheran Book of Worship to setting two. And it was like 
a disaster. Like people didn't know what was going on. People weren't participating in the worship service. And that's a good example of like, oh, we have we have three settings in the Lutheran Book of Worship, but not all three of them are going to work well for our congregation. And so we just we keep the ones that are helpful, and we just don't do the ones that aren't helpful. Um, so we can't be hoarders in some of these things. We have to be able to creatively engage in these things, respect the past, and draw on what was good, and draw on the right the the good rhythms. But the strategies can absolutely change. Um, I think that that's what we're doing. We're doing here. Mm-hmm.